Hello, everybody, and welcome to tonight's podcast. This is your hostess, Nicole DeVincentis, a.k.a. FigureChick911, up on Instagram at FigureChick911 and YouTube, FigureChick911. And tonight we're talking, I think, something that's super, super exciting, but it, it focuses really, as usual, on people who are moving through transition, whether this is something voluntary or involuntary, and we're talking, and then one day, because this is what I believe, like, that's what you say, and then one day, like, all great stories begin with that very phrase, and then one day, he called, (laughs) or, and then one day, the mask fell off, and I saw who she really was, and then one day, God snapped his fingers and all of a sudden everything was better than it had ever been before. Or, and then one day I realized I had it all wrong. Or, and then one day I realized I couldn't stay here anymore. Have you been in situations like that? I mean, think about it. How many times were you thinking back over things in your life where you're moving through something and it seriously, like, something completely changed? Whether a situation happened and your life was turned upside down or for the better or for the worse. But it began with that very statement. And then one day, how did your story move forward from that? And that's what we're going to be discussing tonight. Now, if you ever follow the great Tony Robbins, definitely one of my mentors for sure, Tony's always credited with saying that life happens for you, not to you. And on this podcast, our ultimate goal with this podcast, we always say this, is to shorten that time period between what we call idea inception and execution, which means you get an idea and you move immediately, almost seamlessly into action so that you can continue moving forward. And sometimes that's actually by doing action steps, like you're physically moving, but other times it's a mental transition that you're moving from this place to the next and it's almost like you're playing a video game. I always think of like Super Mario Brothers, like you get up onto a different level and you realize you, you, you're not gonna go back to the other level before, like there's nothing left there for you anymore. Like you got all the, the gold coins or you collected all the prizes or you knew the princesses and down there, you have to keep on moving forward. And that's the beauty of and then one day. And I'm going to speak to this in two different directions. Obviously, when things are happening in your favor, and then one day, (laughs) they called and I got the job. Or, and then one day, the floodgates opened and my business just exploded. And we had to hire 60 more employees because we didn't have enough work to keep up with the work demands. It's like awesome. But what happens when you're in those other areas of realizing that the place that you're at, mentally or physically, it's like it doesn't fit anymore. It's like it no longer serves you anymore. Or, and then one day, 
we got the diagnosis. We found out what the problem was all this time. And you move from uh, an area of your life and you kind of go through, it's almost like you're standing in a, in a dust storm or like in like I almost like a explosion and like the dust is starting to settle and you're like whoa it's quiet now and then one day happened already and now here we are and life as we knew it is completely different it's never ever ever going to go back to how it was before And what do we do? Because the outcome that we have here is really nothing that we would have either desired or something we would have ever even expected. And it's really, it, it doesn't leave a good taste in your mouth. That one day you realized that you were married to an alcoholic and their behavior, you suddenly see it now. Or you suddenly see it in a different light. We can't do this anymore. What do you do with that? And that's, that's where it comes back to you, but also your faith. And, and please, before I move forward, I do, do want to speak clearly to anything that has to, that has to do with the covenant of marriage. All right, there's, there's a lot of things when people listen to podcasts or they, they sit in my seminars or we coach one-on-one. I, I think most people would agree that I'm a very clear communicator and I'm a very swift decision maker. And I credit I probably my upbringing, but definitely what, what drilled that farther into me was my work when I was working as a nurse in the emergency room and we you're making very very high level decisions you're asking questions and you're getting to the pearl of the story because you're obviously dealing with life and death but moving forward as a coach that's my job when I'm filtering through what many people describe themselves as being stuck or their their thoughts are spinning and and it's like if I come over here and, and I do this, then this thing is going to get out of control, but it's kind of like tangled and how do I untangle this? And that's my job. My job is to like sift through all of the information and I actually teach and coach people how to be decisive. But getting back to the point at hand, when it comes to the covenant of marriage, there's way different coaching that goes into that. It's not as decisive as you cut these people out of your life and that's the end of that. Like it's a, it's a completely different story. If you are in an unsafe environment, the expectation is that you move yourself and your little ones or whomever to a safe environment and you involve the appropriate professionals and or authorities. Okay, that's a given. And if things don't honor biblical principle, then we have certain discussions on how we move through that process of potentially terminating the marriage. But up to that point, I do not, when I'm talking about how we make you know rapid decisions in anything, I don't directly attach that to the covenant of marriage. That's my personal belief. That's actually how I coach. And so I like for you to have that alignment of expectation up front so that there's no, there's no confusion and certainly no misguided coaching. 
Okay, that's coming from my heart. Okay, so moving back to the to the case at hand, to the point at hand, we're talking about, and then one day, what do you do when you make these giant realizations or something tragic or, or big has happened to you? What do you do with that information? How do you spin it? Because into something that becomes positive and not because I'm coaching people or want you to be like Pollyanna. When you are taking command of your life, especially when you are a driving force in your family or in your business, I always say, you know, it's somebody has to be the leader. And I've been in those situations where the you know what has hit the fan and nobody's certain on what they should do. Who do they look to? They look to the leader for that guidance they look to the leader for that kind of like the lighthouse effect like you are the calm light and a solid sure fixture that's not going to go anywhere regardless of the level of the storm the fishermen and the sailors know that you're there and then they just they continue to sail towards you like in a way a piece of of navigation for them because now they can clearly see where the shoreline is they have their directions right and they can tell by the increasing you know luminosity or the increasing size of the light that that they are arriving towards safety or arriving home or arriving for rest and it's the exact same way when those catastrophic things happen people look to the leader whomever that is and and not always is the person who's in charge the leader okay so let's take like the somebody who's in appointed like managerial or administrative position they're not always the leader. They may have the appointed job role, but they're not always the leader. Whoever the people look to in times of crises, that's who the leader is. So if this is you and maybe your middle organization, or even in your own family structure, maybe you're not the head of the household, but you exert a lot of influence and people look to you in those times of crises or they call you in those times of crises or question or uncertainty or worry or panic or anxiety or, oh my God, and that's your job. And so this, this is going to entail a lot. And I, I'm going to tell you that when you groom yourself to be able to have command of your emotions. And when I say command, I don't mean control. I honestly mean you're rock solid. And you've heard me speak on this before. Like literally, it's a very simple process. This is what I learned. Here's how you do it <laughs> when you're the leader, okay? Because people are looking to you and they're looking to see if you're going to crack or, or what's going to happen to you, not because you're a robot, but because you're honestly that strong force is, is anybody dying or bleeding out? Yes or no? No. Then it's not an emergency, okay? So no need to freak out. Is anybody dying or bleeding out? Yes. Okay. Is it you? 
No. Okay, then it's not your emergency. So when you think like that, it actually trains you on how to remain in command of your emotions because the worst thing that can happen is that when that you know what hits the fan, if the leader cracks, the leader wavers. And I'm not talking showing emotion, like crying. I'm talking like you freak the F out. You go postal. You blow your lid. Or you are up in arms. You're like, oh my God, this is the worst thing that could have ever happened. Okay, what happens? It's almost like when kids are with their parents. You ever notice like if you're around kids and they fall down, they look at their parents for like a brief second. And if the mom is like, oh my God, what happens to the kid? The kid is like, ah! <laughs> whereas if the kid falls down and they look up over at the dad and the dad's like, y'all right. And the kid's like, eh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's the reaction of the person that really it trains that kid for them to be able to figure out like, am I, am I really dying over here? Or I just fell down. I got scared. Is he, he's not okay. This must be okay. And dad's like, yeah, you know, rub some dirt on it. You're all right. You're all right. Here you go. Go, you're all right. You go, go play. Yeah, you're fine. Right? Or if you're like the fifth kid in line, that's kind of how it is. Like <laughs> the first kid is like everybody's so worried about him. He gets a little tiny little paper cut. It's like the world's coming to an end. And by the time you get to the third, fourth, fifth kid, you like toss a bag of frozen peas at him. You're like, yeah, you can take care of yourself. Come talk to me if, if your arm is hanging off. Then we'll do something about it, right? Because you, because you get that temperance and you learn how to command your emotions and you, you're able to distinguish between honestly what's what's a true emergency and and what's not and and what you're gonna get all worked up about and what you're not and it's the same thing when you're in a leadership role whatever that is but the thing that's important as a leader is you still I feel you have to show people how to express emotion do you know what I'm saying like it's it's fine for a leader to cry I think that's an expectation depending on what the thing is, right? You're a human. That's actually what makes human beings, if you think about it, different from animals is that we're gifted with emotions. It's what do you do when you're in that story of, and then one day, and usually when you're in like the negative part of, and then one day, There's a lot that comes with it. It's not just like you learn a fact or the situation, you know, plat, here it is. Then there's the fallout from it. Then there's the domino effect from it. And you're doing cleanup work and you're having to do reconstructive work and you're having to do buff and shine work. And then you're going to have to go back and you're going to have to re-clean the stuff. And it's like you're, you're moving through the shit. But when you have a group of people behind you, and let's, let's say maybe this is an illness, the people behind you, maybe even the person who was diagnosed with the problem, they look to the leader, they're looking at you for you to make the decision, you know, what's going to be our attitude here? Are we going to come in and we're going we're gonna to fight this thing? Like, we're doing this thing. Or are you scared shitless? Like, oh my God, I just, I just... I just, I just, I just, do you see the difference? And I give that as an extreme 
you know, example, but that's apparent in anything. Like if you look historically at, you know, some of the best war generals or, or people in the military throughout the United States, and I'm sure throughout the world too, you'll see, and when they write about the character qualities or, or conversations that people had with these individuals on the battlefield or, you know, in barracks or wherever they were at, they all talk about their ability to have that, I call it grace under pressure. Maybe that's not the masculine word for it, but, you know, being able to function clearly and effectively under stress and great deal high levels of pressure. That's what it's about. And it it comes back to how you're grooming yourself along the way. And I come from an Italian family where when there's really no like low volume, like growing up in our household, it really wasn't always quiet. And if we would go see my grandparents, my, my grandpa, he's Sicilian, not Italian. He's Sicilian. Like he had like two volumes. He had like what was essentially yelling, but he called it having a discussion. And then there was yelling like <laughs> either one. They were like so, so loud and everything was like loud all the time. And they didn't know anything different than that. And for me, I actually, believe it or not, I was a very, I don't know if the word reserved was right, but I was always a lot quieter than most people in my family. And my grandpa would always kind of like, not, he would actually yell at me because I was too quiet. I'm not even going to lie. He totally yelled at me because I was too quiet. But it, it was only through... I think being groomed in the healthcare industry and particularly through emergency and then emergency medical services pre-hospital side that I started having more vocal. I, I think up to that point, my gift was always writing and I didn't become a very affluent speaker until way later in the game. Um, but it's, it's a practice skill. I think it's one thing to know how to write. And it's another thing to be able to articulate a thought, whether it's for creative purposes, it's public speaking, or when you are looking to lead individuals. And when you are in that role, sometimes you don't even need to speak. Sometimes it's going to be your actions to show you this is what we're actually doing. And if you've listened to the past podcast, I think one of the the very first times that I remember being led was when my stepdad was pretty early on. He had cancer growing up and there was this one time he was super, super sick and he had like this ridiculous high fever. And um, he didn't quite have a febrile seizure this night. He had had one, I think, the day before. I, w- I was at an overnight with the Girl Scouts, and it was like this whole thing. He went to the hospital, like all this stuff. And so the next night when I was home, just to recap shortly here, he had another kind of episode, if you would, and um, we went running in the bedroom, and my mom told me to get some hot or cold towels, rather, and put them on him so that we could bring his, t- his fever down. And when we did that she gave me these towels that had been laying on his body and they were actually hot to the touch. And I remember I was freaked out about this whole, I had never seen anything like this before. And I was young. I I don't, 
I always think that everything happened when I was like eight years old. It's somewhere between like eight and 10. And I was so, I was scared, but I remember my mom was so certain. And she was like, take these into the bathroom, make them cold again and bring them back. And she was so certain about it. Like her language was very clear and her actions were very clear. And that helped me in the moment. And when you look at individuals who direct people for a living, traffic, cops, and flight attendants, if you think about it, like everyone makes fun of them because they're so, (laughs) they're so direct and like abrupt with their hand signals that they use. But why? Because either people aren't paying attention or potentially people are under great deals of stress. And when they're under stress, what happens to you? I know we got to talk about the nervous system here for just a quick second, but when you're under stress, I just want to remind you what happens to people and or to yourself until you learn how to deal with high levels of stress. Number one is you lose your peripheral vision when you're under stress. And what do you get? You get tunnel vision. Okay. So you only see one thing. You don't see the periphery. The next thing that happens is you really don't hear soft, flowery language. You usually just respond to very general language and you don't process information logically. Does that make sense? Does that, I mean, you've seen that before, you've experienced it yourself before or with others, right? The next thing that you, that you lose when you're under high levels of stress is your ability to speak well. You are not a great communicator. You certainly do not articulate your thoughts very eloquently. Da, 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 da. <laughs> or sometimes you'll hear people speak in what we call like very phrenic um, pace. If you've ever listened to people who are speaking on radio or intercom, sometimes they just keep on talking and they can't even stop talking and they're like a yellow sign. Blah, 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 and you'll know that they're like way under a lot of stress. Okay, and then probably lastly, the thing that happens in terms of like your ability to function is that you lose your fine, um, your fine motor coordination, especially like your hand, your fine motor skills in your hands. So when you're looking to communicate with these individuals or get them to follow you in any way, you have to remember that when people are under stress, it's basically like their brain completely stops and your job is to regain command of that situation. And if you pop off and you lose it, then it worsens how they act. And you know, you gauge your own situation. Maybe this is not a life or death sort of situation, but you know, if you already have somebody who's near panic, can you afford to have them in an even worse state? And now you basically have two emergencies on your hand. You have the emergency or the crisis or the problem. And now you have these other person or people that you have to worry about the cascade and domino effect from their reaction. Right? So everything comes back to you as the leader, not to react to a situation, but to respond to the situation, if that makes sense. And that's a learned skill as well. So the more junk you're exposed to, I think the higher level of stress adaptivity you certainly have. And that's why they always say strong people are not born, strong people are built. How? Through terrible 
horrible, awful, trying, painful times. That's the truth. I can't honestly think of anybody who was not built that way. People may be learned, but I don't know that necessarily strong people are built unless they have had to endure some level of hardship and, and, and trial. Do you? So it's kind of like a badge of honor, if you would. You come out the other end, I think, a lot wiser. And I think the more junk that you go through, only for me, the harder it is for me or harder it was for me to understand this is going to sound so obnoxious, but it's totally true. I don't want to be, you know, paint any, any falsities on this, on this podcast is I couldn't believe for a while, like how soft some people were like, what the hell you're freaking out about this? Like what? I, I, I'm telling you when you grow up in an environment and you know, my household, don't get me wrong. Like you didn't grow up like in an abusive household or anything like you just, everybody has their own levels of trial. And I think compounded probably working in environments where there was a lot of drama and chaos and, and all kinds of stuff that, you know, normal people shouldn't be around. It raises your threshold for again, stress adaptivity, but I couldn't. Like for me, I've been out of those, those places for a while enough now where I, I'm like immersed in like the common culture, if you would. And I, it blows my mind. Like, oh my gosh, how do you function in the world? Like if you're getting upset about this, like, <laughs> like oh my gosh, like, whoa. <laughs> like, and so for me, I've had to, I've had to go to school not a real school, but like I had to be schooled on how to, how to bridge the gap. For me, that was one of the biggest things. And I think that's why now I excel as a coach is because I, I'm all about immersive training. I honest to God, like when I do something, I don't know about you. When I do something, I do something freaking 100% all in. I use both cheeks of my ass. There's no half-assing anything. And so what happened was I started studying, I'll, I'll say I started studying the Bible, but I wasn't reading the Bible. I was engaged in Bible studies on the radio, not because it was something that I was like, I think I'm going to go learn the Bible. Today. It didn't happen like that. It was it just coincidental finding when I was scanning through radio stations on the radio and the way that it was presented, it was passed or forward from here in Chicago, is that it made so much sense that I, it was the first time I ever saw how does biblical principle actually apply to like modern day life. And I'm telling you, like I had like religion growing up, but I didn't understand the difference between religion and faith. And now having passed through, I call it the school of God because I was really educated by so many awesome people who had different radio stations and then, you know, branched out and sought different readings and teachings on my own that it's, oh my gosh, it's like overwhelmingly beautiful that I, I can't be separated from it anymore. It's, it's definitely a part of me. But it was because of that teaching and it was teaching how Jesus spoke to the people and how he was always able to relate to people and the way he spoke in parables all the time that I'm talking like that launched me so far ahead 
of where I had been before as a communicator that now it's like I I don't have a problem meeting anybody exactly where they are. I can always find like a point of reference and, and assist them with that, not to impress you, but to impress the point upon you that many times when you are operating at a high level or you're trying to move an initiative forward or, or start something or lead a group or people are coming to you for wherever, many times the, the next step is not just how do you think about things, it's how do you you communicate the things like communication is a skill and sometimes I think especially if you have a very brilliant mind your mind is moving so fast that you probably operate in leaps and bounds and the people didn't even know where you were to begin with and so by the time you catch up with them you're 12 leaps and bounds ahead of them and they're not ready for that sort of like mental agility <laughs> and perhaps they they don't see things through your lens because well you're working on your project and you kind of like scooped them up along the way and they haven't had your life experiences and and you're involved in a world especially if you've been doing like personal development coaching and training and you've had any element of biblical teaching or principle in your life, your, your growth curve is so fast. And like the velocity is so like, like other people just, they don't even know what the hell happened. Like you come in like a tornado and you're like, and it, it can be on the end. Like one side, it's kind of hard because not everybody thinks like that. But as the leader even when it's that situation of, and then one day, you have to have that ability to not stop your mind, but you have to put like the pause button on your mouth. Or if you're typing this out, you know, if you're emailing or whatever, you've got to do something to slow that down so that you can meet these individuals where they are and, and, work with them through whatever it is that they're going through and if you look on tv like remember like tv shows what do they always do they always slap they always slap the person who's freaking out because that gets their attention and it brings them back it, it anchors them and it, and it causes them to focus and so please don't do that <laughs> But you're going to have to often do something to get in their visual field. And you judge your situation. I mean, if you're dealing with somebody who is emotionally unstable and they're showing signs, not just of escalation, but they're showing signs that you're not really sure what their next move is going to be. I do not suggest that you get up in those people's face. Many times what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to give them some space, but if they're in your way and you're trying to get something done, you're you're trying to, you know, save somebody's life for goodness sakes, you're going to have to do something either to move that person out of the way or you are going to have to square off with them and be very clear eye to eye on them and let them know what the situation is by asking them a series of questions and and keeping yourself postured up. Because he who is most sure always wins. And so in those high stress states, you're going to learn how to negotiate yourself. 
But the big deal is when that you know what hits the fan is how do you then take that moment and turn it into something like this is how this train is moving forward. And it's a mindset shift. It's not, I think many times when the situation is bad, you're, everyone's immediate default is like, I can't believe that this is happening to me or to us. But how do we move this forward? And I don't know if everyone is able to do it. I don't know if it's an age-related thing. Like when you get catastrophic news or when you are terminating a relationship, and this is personal or professional, there's like stages of grief that you go through. And that's the expectation. Like sometimes you're just in denial about it and then you get angry about it and then you go through like this bargaining thing and then you accept it. Like there's stages of waking up and there's stages of grief as you're moving through the stuff. That's normal. You are expected to move through it. If you don't go through those things, you usually stall. This has been my experience is that if you have majorly catastrophic things happening or and then one day and it was not a good thing and you don't move through the normal stages of grieving and let's say you just leave somewhere maybe you go and you dive head you know head head first into work or or maybe you you move someplace else and you don't process that that grief or that sadness or the loss or whatever you usually stall emotionally there and it's very 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 difficult you can have growth in other areas of your life but usually that comes back to bite you in the ass because you've not it's it's like the analogy of a pile of shit and you're trying to build a house on top of a pile of shit it just it won't work eventually it's gonna it's well it's gonna smell obviously <laughs> but shit is really not a stable foundation and so you're going to end up having to come back and deal with the shit does that make sense? But in the moment, it always defaults back to you. And I speak to that only because I know a lot of people who are on this podcast are already like strong as hell. And maybe you're high producer, high performer, you're, you move forward at the speed of light. Everybody looks to you, you lead the force, you lead the team. And you're gifted at that. And sometimes you just have a tendency to kind of like zoom, like straight over the thing or kind of like compartmentalize things, keep them off to the side. I just, you know, I'll, I, I, no, we're just going to, you know, blinders on them. I'm going to be over here and, and not deal with this other pile of shit. Or if you're on this podcast because you are looking to grow yourself and grow your strength. You need to be advised that as you are going up the ranks and you're working with mentors who are stronger than you or have a greater command of emotionality for you, sometimes what's left out of the equation is that human factor. I like to bring it in because you are a human being. And I also think, as an aside, I think that's what distinguishes me as a coach from a lot of others, is I don't simply do strict champion mindset coaching and not allow for variances in your emotions simply because I know high producers myself as being one high level achievers is that when you remain that forward focused and you don't allow for emotional release or processing of your emotions you end up going into dark places sometimes and we don't want that to happen to you we want you to always have 
you know, your escape. So re-enter your faith that when you're moving through things, especially as the leader and people are consistently coming to you or they have high expectations of you to be that driving force or the calming force or the anchoring force or the grounding force, whatever it is, is that your circle is usually very small because you are the help that the help calls when the help needs help. So then who do you call? Who do you call? I don't know who I call. I don't have anybody. I'm the one who usually handles everything. Does that make sense? Does that ring a bell? Do you know anybody like that or is that you? That was certainly me. I can definitely say that. And all I can say is that I don't know that there's any one right way to go through it but I would say that as you move along if you find yourself that you don't have that inner circle yet and I use the yet word or the word yet on purpose because I know once you have that awareness that I don't have an inner circle not so much that you need somebody to have advice from or that you you know you necessarily need a shoulder to cry on you you have to have like relationship is important like no person is an island for real And if you don't have that individual or those individuals yet, then maybe that's your next level. You're putting that intention out there, who do I have? Or where are these people? And oftentimes what I find for my super high achievers and my high level producers, and that can be anybody, this is definitely entrepreneurial types, this is, you know, C-level executives, these are industry leaders, decision makers, And these are everyday people, is that when you're doing your internal work and you're pressing through it, sometimes you're still like in the tunnel and you haven't come out the other side yet where these quote unquote people are. So sometimes there's just a little bit more internal work that you have to do and or placing yourself in a a geographic or physical place where you're going to be finding these other, if you want to say, like-minded individuals. I think that's totally important. You know, people who think at the speed of light as you. People who get you. Not just people who blow sunshine up your butt, but people like you know you can count on. Like, they are rock solid. And they're going to... they. They will always come alongside of you. They point out your blind spots to you as well. But most likely, they're also going to share that same temperament of command of emotionality. Not reflexive, not reactive, but responsive. So that when you have your and then one day moment... They're going to be there. They're going to be your lighthouse. Because the big things are, you're never meant to go through them alone. And I know oftentimes the more either independent you are or the stronger your your leadership skills and your, your drive is, typically the less you ask for help. I know, gotcha on that one. You're among friends, don't worry. (laughs) 
But what does that mean? That means when it's you, you show up stronger for those people. And you can count on the fact that they're going to show up strong for you. Does that make sense? And you may or may not be able to put it into words, but your actions are there. You still show up. It's a lot, right? And then one day, and then one day I realized that life is actually happening for me and not to me. And even when we get terrible, horrible, catastrophic news, how do we use that? And if you have a faith backing to you, you believe in a higher power, you believe that you have a purpose on the planet, it always seems as at first as though you're being punished for something. And I don't believe that God is a bad God, that he would do anything to punish you. He has a, a, a plan for everybody. Sometimes the things that come about our actions or, or the things that come about are a result of our actions or our decisions. And so sometimes that's just part of the grooming and the teaching process. But other times you honestly have no, it could be a totally innocent thing that happens to you. And there you are, and you are in charge of making the decision on how you're going to view it. That even when I'm in this situation, what am I going to do? Am I going to make powerful choices here? Are there things I need to clean up? Is this my opportunity for, I don't know, change in, in, in my operating system? Or am I going to shut down? Those are your choices all the time, despite the situation. It's never the situation. It's who you are in spite of that situation. That's where the internal work, the work of personal development comes in. Because let's face it, from the get, people are very selfish human beings, right? Babies, what do they do? They cry until they get their needs met. Until they get their wants, sometimes their needs. They just want to be held. <laughs> and what do they do? They just cry and they cry and they cry until you pick them up. And then as soon as you pick them up, they're fine. Two-year-old doesn't get his little box of cereal <laughs> when you go grocery shopping. <laughs> right? They don't want to share their toys. The whole nine. That's just how we're designed. <laughs> it doesn't really go away the older that you get. <laughs> But when you start recognizing, and maybe this is part of it, and then one day, I recognized how I've been doesn't not only serve me, it doesn't serve my corporation, it doesn't serve my community, it doesn't serve my family, it doesn't serve my team. And then that's your moment. That's your awakening moment of realizing, okay, shit, all right. <laughs> Let's get to work. Let's do some course correction. And let's make this day count. 
because you're never guaranteed to have another day. You're never guaranteed to have another moment. Never, ever, ever. And it's never too late to course correct. It's never too late to forgive. It's never too late to reconcile. Two separate things, by the way. Forgiveness and reconciliation, two separate things. Forgiveness is for you. Reconciliation of a relationship that involves two people. You've got to have a workable individual on the other end who's working with you and working through junk, right? To reestablish trust, make the relationship functional. But it always falls back on you. What position are you going to choose when you reach your, and then one day, moment? So thank you for joining us tonight. Again, this has been the Transformation Gold podcast. I appreciate your joining us tonight. My name is Nicole DeVincentis, a.k.a. Figachick911. If you know anybody who would be benefiting from this podcast, please invite them on. I mean, we offer this for free. We want to be able to reach out and help a lot of individuals. So if you know people, please do invite them on. You can find us uh, not just up on Anchor. We're also on Apple iTunes. We're on uh, Google Podcasts. You can, even, you can even ask Siri to find us. <laughs> She'll be able to locate that for us as well. So I appreciate your being on this podcast. Make it a great day. God bless each and every one of you, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.